So it was like a 10 feet holographic projection of our of the first prime minister of Malaysia. So it was a huge time, 2007. And on paper, at least I was a millionaire based upon the project that we secured. So I was happy. I became a millionaire before I turned 30 years old, 29 years old. I got all those projects, you know, on paper. I was like, wow, there's a million here. There's a million here. So it was like really happy time, Andrew. The following year, everything fell apart. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. Join our community to claim your podcast listener discount on my Valuation Masterclass Bootcamp, where students learn how to value companies like a pro and advance their career. Go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now to join the community for free. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guest Jimmy Lee. Jimmy, are you ready to rock? Oh, yeah, man. Let's do this. <laughs> I am really excited to get to hear a little bit of what you're doing and your story. And, you know, you're going to win the prize for the clearest, simplest, straight-to-the-point bio. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Jimmy Lee. He is a venture builder and humanitarian. Believe in yourself and you can make the impossible possible. Jimmy, take a minute and fill in further tidbits about your life. All right, Andrew, thank you so much for the introduction. So my name is Jimmy Lee. So I'm a venture builder and I've always been an entrepreneur since I graduated in law. So that was in 2002. So I have been an entrepreneur and also a venture builder for 19 years. I have four startups by far and I've mentored about over 50 other startups as well. So my primary focus right now is basically to change the world through entrepreneurship. And through this podcast, I'm also hopefully I can inspire readers to reach for their dreams and not be afraid. Mm, that's beautiful. And that, you know, I have to ask you, make the impossible possible. What does that mean to you? Well, what it means to me is simple is this, because uh, sometimes we come to a cross in our lives whereby we are afraid to take the plunge, all right? Afraid to take that step, afraid to make that commitment, afraid to assume the risk, you know, that will sort of give you some form of a platform to success. And um, you're not sure you can do it. You, know, you have that doubts, you know, can I do it? Do I have the financial resources? Do, I mean, if everything goes against me, like right now we're living in, a, in this pandemic called uh, COVID-19, you know, a lot of people are going through a lot of challenges. In Malaysia, especially people have lost their jobs, you know, and the cases of people killing themselves, suicides are quite high, you know. So the thing is this, you know, is that uh, when you face such challenges, do you give up? Or do you strive forward? You know, so I'm a firm believer that if you have a firm belief in yourself and you know what you want to do, you should go for it. You know, and things will come into place eventually. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, that's inspiring. And now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it, and then tell us your story. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Okay. My story starts way back in 2002. I graduated in law and I thought I was going to be a lawyer as, uh, you know, as I always thought that uh, law profession is the right one for me. But unfortunately, I went to work for a law firm. I discovered uh, a lot of things I didn't like about being a lawyer. One of the things is the fact that you're at the mercy of the service of your client. So I didn't really like that. You know? So 
basically a lawyer means that you have to bend the rules sometimes to make sure your client's needs are met. So I wasn't totally comfortable with that doing that actually, especially when it comes to like the criminal cases, you know. So yeah, I got a law law degree and I decided not to practice and I was looking around and I was introduced to entrepreneurship by chance by working for a friend of mine. And I love it, you know, the whole process, entrepreneurship, you have an idea, and then from the idea, you have a business plan, a vision, a purpose, and stuff like that. So I went headlong into entrepreneurship with no experience, no capital, no contacts, just a law graduate with just an idea. So my first startup in 2002 was a motion effects studio. So we're actually a creative agency. So we do like corporate videos, documentaries, music videos, and stuff like that. We learn from scratch. Andrew, just like, there's no manual. We didn't go to university. We didn't go to college. I didn't even know how to work the camera. So it was just, what we did was we went from the bottoms up, you know, from, from the bottom, I was like an intern and there was a production assistant. There was a production manager. So I was a producer. So it was like just learning on a job. You're just observing how people do it. Oh, okay. So that's how you do it. Oh, all right. Okay. Okay. Can you show me how to work these things out? So they showed me. So I learned from that. So it's just me and my business partner, I think there's two of us. Um, we were operating from a bedroom simple no rental and we're just going for, for 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 projects and i gotta tell you andrew it was so challenging because you know who want to give projects to a law student right so yeah so it was very challenging getting clients but we just persevered we just went forward to cut the long story short within four years we grew the business into a multi-million business all right so and then 2007 was a very great year for us because we got two huge projects one was actually the we were awarded the contract uh, for the development for the Bank Negara Museum. It's actually the Central Bank of Malaysia's museum and art, art gallery. So it was a vigorous, crazy, tender process. We were up against 60 other companies and they were some of the most biggest agencies in the world. And we won, you know, so it was huge, you know, so we won the tender. And of course, we also were engaged as a, as a contractor for the, the celebration of the 50th anniversary of Malaysia. And it was celebrated at um, Stadium Medica, Medica Stadium. And it were, our job was actually to project our, the first prime minister is no longer around. So we holographically projected him on the stage. So it was like a 10 feet holographic projection of, our, of the first prime minister of Malaysia. So it was a huge time, 2007. And on paper, at least I was a millionaire based upon the project that we secured. So I was happy. I became a millionaire before I turned 30 years old, 29 years old. I got all those projects, you know, on paper I was like, wow. There's a million here, there's a million here. So it was like really happy time, Andrew. The following year, everything fell apart, all right? How it fell apart was quite simple because like um, there's a, a few projects I was working, working on and it was a partnership. There was a three companies, all right? Mine was one of it, there's two other companies. So I was called for a secret meeting with one of the companies and I was told not to inform the other company. So it was like a secret meeting between two companies so it's a bit dodgy. So, you know, I was like, hmm, what's going on here? I mean, because we had never met like behind closed doors like this. So me and my partner went for the meeting because we were curious about what's, what's going to be discussed about, you know. So we sat down in the meeting with the, with the partner of our, our hours. There were two of them, you know, and uh, they made an offer to us, basically. I mean, the whole project has um, grown from 1 million plus to about 4.5 million ringgit Malaysia. So they were planning to remove the third partner from the project. I mean, the whole reason of doing so is so that we have a bigger share of the pie, you see. So it's just a simple thing, okay, 4.5 million divided by three partners, about 1.5, you know. So there's a two of us, if you divide it between the two of us, it becomes 2.25 million ringgit Malaysia. 
So it was like an offer on a table, right? All, all we need is a support and you just need to sign this termination letter and we can get that additional money to your, to your bank account immediately. I was like stunned, Andrew. I was like, yeah. wow, okay, you know? I was stunned, I was surprised at the offer. So I look at my business partner, my partner, my, the same company, and she looked back at me and then we, we had an understanding without even discussing it. So we turned down the proposal, all right? We mm. said no, the, we, we said that this is unethical. And I, and I said that, you know, three companies went in for the tender, we worked really hard for it, we were awarded, you know, and then by right, all three companies should be rewarded and we should complete the project to the very end. And I told, the other company, you know, it's like, I mean, if you want to work with us exclusively for the next project, more than happy to do so. So basically then they just said, is that your final answer? And I said, yeah, you know, that's just not the way we do things, man. And I said, yeah, okay, all right. So a week after that, um, Andrew, I, I got terminated from the project. <laughs> you got cut out. I got cut out. My company got cut out. I got a, I got a fax from the company. My company was terminated from the project with immediate effect. All my payments that I'm supposed to receive have been withhold, pending due diligence, was what, what not, right. and everything like that. And then my client was furious, was like, what the F you, you know, what the Fing going on, you know, what, what's mm. going on and blah, blah, you know. So yeah, it was a terrible time because we lost everything overnight because we, we focused on that one huge project for the past few months. So a lot of resources went to it, you know, so because we wanted to complete it early. So when you come in early, you get the money a bit earlier, the payment went quiet. So then we just lost the whole project, just like that overnight, you know. And I remembered that um, we were trying to get the client to try to separate the contract, you know, the, the, you know, like just divide the contract to two, you know, something for the two partners, the, the one from a company to be awarded direct to my company. And I remember I called my, my parents, my partner was calling her parents, trying to borrow money as fast as possible to, to set up, you know, uh, to make sure we have the funds to continue for the next few months, you see, just to continue the project to see whether the, the client will award the project to us. So we took on massive, massive loans and mm. we, tried, we, we hired people, you know, tried to like just do things on our own and stuff like that. Six months down the road, client decided not our problem, you know. So, yeah. So if you're not getting paid, you know, then it's not really our problem. So that was it, you know. My, my, my millions down the drain, I was heavy in debts, you know, I was hard sky back in, half, uh, in debts. Uh, my, my landlord actually took an action against me, legal action, to evict me from the office because I'm not paid rent for six months. <laughs> so it was a horrible time, you know, it was a horrible time. I was in a very dark hole. I was trying to figure out how am I going to dig myself out from this hole, you know, because mm. yeah, it was just horrible, you know. Mm. Um, and, you know, and there, was, there were times that I was living without food for a couple of days, you know, I was just trying to stretch, you know, like a loaf of bread trying to stretch it for a few days. So, you know, it was, it was a very terrible time, Andrew. Yeah, mm. that was, I would say, the worst investment ever. That qualifies. Yeah, yeah, that qualifies because, you know, you went from possible millionaire and then you went to the pariah, you know, so it's like nobody wants to talk to you anymore. So, mm. yeah. But the, the good thing about the story is this, I mean, um, uh, I remember very clearly what happened. A friend of mine arranged for a meeting between me and this friend of his, you know, it's like a business associate and he said that, hey, he's doing social marketing, digital marketing, you know. Why don't you meet up with him? You know, maybe you can talk things out. Maybe you can get some projects going, you know? And I said, yeah, yeah, why not, right? So I was about to meet up with him. Then the high court actually sent officers to my office and they actually locked up the entire office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of guys come over and they told my staff, don't touch anything, you know, just take your bags. We're going to make an inventory of everything in your office and we're going to seal the office. I was like, wow, okay. Woo, yep. Rough, man, really rough. Mm. That's horrible. 
So, so you can imagine my mind was like not in the right place. I was depressed. I was feeling stressed out and everything like that. And I got this meeting with this guy in, in Starbucks, you know, and I was like contemplating and maybe I should just not see the guy. And I was like, I'm, I'm just not in the right, I'm not in the right frame of mind to talk to anyone, you know. But I forced myself to go to the meeting because I felt, okay, you know, yeah, you had that setback, you know, why don't you go see it? Maybe it's a business opportunity, right? So we just try. So I went for the meeting. So it was at Starbucks and um, basically we sat down, shook hands and everything like that. We introduced ourselves. And the first question he asked me is that, um, how is your business going on, Jimmy? And I was like, <laughs> it's a little oh, locked up right now. Yeah. How do you even answer that question? Right. So, you know, it's like immediately in my mind, there was like two things going on. All right. Okay. Should I just lie to him? Tell him that, wow, you know, we've got this massive project and then, then, you know, we're doing great. You know, we, we have all these things going on and everything like that. But that's a bit of a lie. Hmm. Or should I just be honest and just tell him exactly what happened to me and my business you know, and everything like that. And remember, Andrew, by being honest is the reason why I was in this mess in the first place, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so do I really want to go down the same path again, you know, and screw up things, right? So I didn't really know what got to know me. So I just decided, I think I'm just going to tell him the truth. So I told him the same exact thing that I told you now. You know, hmm. we started uh, Motion FX Studio. We had these two massive projects. Then we got betrayed by business partners. We just lost everything. You know, I just told him my office is locked up by the by the court day, you know. And I have about less than 10 ringgit in my pocket, you know, while talking to you right now. Yeah, yeah so you'll be paying for coffee and now yeah. that, you know, <laughs> that's what you said to him. Yeah, so basically, yeah, but the good thing about Starbucks is the fact that you pay for your own coffee. So, you yeah. know, so yeah, so I didn't order anything. So that was our yeah. safe. So to be honest, Andrew, I was like, okay, I think this is going to be the shortest meeting when I have. I going, I think this guy is going to say, you know what, Jim, you know, nice, nice meeting you. Thanks for coming. You know, you know, let's shake hands. You know, when things get better, why don't you get in touch with me and then we can talk things better. And when you have your company up and running again, so I thought that was what was going to happen. So I was like about to clear my 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 stuff up, and then he just said, okay, hold on, hold on. You know, I didn't say this meeting go over. Mm. And he just asked me, okay, so exactly how much are you looking for to clear your, your legal problems that you're having right now? So I told him, well, I need about 20, 28,000, 29,000 ringgit. And within two weeks, if not, everything's going to be auctioned off by the court. Right. Mm. So he said, all right. Mm. And then he said the most weirdest thing, Andrew. He said, okay, I'm going to write down my address on your notebook and uh, come over to my place and about 8, 8.30 Let's talk things out. I, I might be able to help you. I'm like, mm. whoa, okay. Interesting. Unexpected, of course, you know. So I left, you know, then I, I, I met up with my business partner. I told her everything what happened. And she was very skeptical. She said that, why would he want to help you? You're, like, you're total strangers. I just met for five minutes. I said, I have no idea. He said, just meet up with him at 8.30, you know. Should we go? Should we not go? And then, you know. And then she decided to follow along because she said that, you know, I don't want you to make any deals with some loan sharks. And it might turn out to be a loan shark, whatever. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So I went for the meeting with her. So we sat down. So basically we sat down with him, you know, and then I still remember very vividly going to his house. You know, it's a nice neighborhood. It's a very rich people neighborhood. You know, the, his, his house is only like three stories down and then he has like two sports car in the front. And I said, okay, this guy is doing very well for himself. So, okay. Mm. I don't think money is an issue for him. So I went to the dining room, sat down with him, then he came over and then he said, okay. Then he asked me again, you know, how much exactly do you need to sort out your, your legal issues? He mentioned about 28, 29,000, is that correct? I said, yeah, 20, 28, 29,000. And I told him, the whole amount is about 20,000, but we need 29 because apparently, according to the legal action, I have to pay the lawyers for my landlord as well. So that's how it goes. 
So he said, okay, I'm not going to help you with that 29,000 ringgit. I'm like, ah, okay, you know. <laughs> and guess what? I'm going to give you 40,000 ringgit. I'm like, what? You know, 40,000 ringgit? That's like 11,000 more than I need. So I asked him, what's the catch? Is this a loan? I mean, are you investing to my business? You know, what, what, what is it? You know, he said, I'm just going to give you the whole card, the whole cash, if you can solve a riddle. And that's it. And I said, no strings attached, no strings attached. Mm, interesting. So I asked him, okay, what's the riddle? So he gave me, he gave me the riddle and, you know, and, then he, and I asked him, is there any terms and conditions to this whole process that um, we, are, we are doing right now? He said, basically, that's nothing. I mean, you give me the, the answer, the right answer, I'll give you the, the, the cash. There's no time limit, but apparently you do have a time limit because you have two weeks to come up with the money or, or else, you know, your property is going to be auctioned off. So I don't have a time limit, but apparently you do. So, you know, so I remember driving back from that meeting and, and I was talking to my partner and she's like, I don't, I think this guy's bullshit. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, who's, who's going to give you that huge amount of money, you know? Mm. I mean, a total stranger at that, you know? And, the thing is, you know, she said, over a riddle, you know, are you serious? You know, I don't think it's, it's a genuine thing, you know? And I was like thinking to myself, ah, Jimmy, should you do this? Should you not do this? Should you do, should you do it? Should you not, do you not do this? Stuff like that. So I, I decided, Andrew, ah, let's do it. You've got nothing to lose, right? You know, let's do it. You know, so the next two weeks, I tried to figure out every kind of answer to that riddle, trying to answer it, you know, just giving the, the answer as, as often as I can, you know, but all the answers are incorrect, wrong, stuff like that. So came a day, about two days before the deadline, I was stressed out because like, I was looking at the, the date. I was like, oh my God, I've only like 48 hours left, you know? Mm. So I was watching Astro. I was watching uh, some cartoons, an animation movie. And yeah, I thought I saw the answer in that, in that in the movie. It's just like a flash, you know, of some sort, you know, like, I'm like, wow, is that the answer? But your answer is simple, Andrew. It's not thought-provoking. It's not life-changing answer that I was been giving to the to that guy in Starbucks, you know. So it's a very simple answer. Nothing complicated. So the next day, I I uh, I had a meeting with a client. Then after the meeting, uh, about twelve something, I text him the answer. This is two thousand eight, so there's no WhatsApp yet, whatever. So it's just messaging. Yep. So I messaged him on my phone, my Nokia phone, and everything, and just waited for the answer. And for the life of me, I just didn't understand because, you know, for the past almost two weeks, he answered me quite, quite immediately about less than three minutes. So I'll get an answer. But this one took about 22 minutes. I mean, I knew because I was looking at my watch. I, mean, I was like, what is taking you so long? Why, why are you keeping me in suspense, you know? So after that long, long, so long, very long, long 22 minutes, he finally replied and he said that, you know, he didn't say yes or no. He just said that, meet me at Coffee Bean at 2.30, you know? I'm like, okay something is going on you know so so i was there early i was there by two because i was really really excited and a lot of things was going through my mind is this guy serious is this happening you know right. so then i saw him coming towards coffee bean so i saw him and and andrew the, the thing that made me really happy was the fact that i saw there's actually a checkbook right behind his back pocket you know so i can see there's a check there's a checkbook I was like okay okay there's a checkbook there so this might actually come through <laughs> So he came by, he sat down. I didn't even bother to say hi to him. I just said, hey, um, bro, you know, is that the answer you're looking for? And then he said that, uh, yeah, you got the, answer, the right answer. You know, that's the one I was looking for. And he just sat down and he just wrote me a check. You know, um, he said that, you know what? I don't really know your, your full name. I just know it's Jimmy. So I'm just going to make a cash check to you. So just make a cash check, cash and everything. 40,000 ringgit, he's signing everything. And he just, you know, took the check and just gave it to me. And I was like, 
wow, I was holding the chair. I was like, what just happened here? So, and then he said to me this thing, I was very lucky I got to him in time because he said he had a flight back to, to Singapore at about 5 p.m. That's that, that day itself. So he said, if I was just a bit late, you know, I wouldn't be able to, to get the money from him because he'll be in Singapore. So I, I called him just in time before he went for, to the airport, you know. So he left. I was holding onto the check. I looked at the, my, my, my watch. Okay, it's already 4 p.m. All the banks are closed. And so I brought the check back, you know. So I, I showed it to my business partner. And then she, she saw it, see? And then she said to me that, you know what? Maybe he's going to cancel the check, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah. man. Okay, <laughs> that's another possibility. I didn't think, okay, she might cancel the check. Okay. So Andrew, the next day, uh, early early in the morning, uh, because that's a day of the auction. Right. So about 8 a.m. in the morning, I call up my landlord. I said, okay, I got the money for you, but you know, so just hold on to your auction. And he said that you sure you got the money because you, you have not paid me for six months. And I said, yeah, I got your money, but you know, just don't go ahead with the auction. Just give me about half an hour, you know, I'll be there, I'll give you the money. Mm. So he said, okay, don't, don't, you know, don't screw with me, you know, because, you know, I'll make sure you have a terrible time you screw with me, yeah. you know, any further. So I said, okay, okay. I went to the bank, the bank's not even open yet, the shutters are closed. And I just waited, you know, and I waited outside, you know, all those things going in my mind. And can you imagine what's going on in my mind? It was, it was the most craziest time, you know. The shutters went up. I didn't wait for the shutter to go. I just went underneath the shutter. <laughs> I went straight to the counter. I get the check to the lady at the counter. I said, and then she said, okay, uh, can I get your identification card, which is actually my card in Malaysia? I gave her my, my, my card. I gave the check. And I said, okay, so can you just sit down? You know, so we'll process it for you. So I said, I sat down. I was biting my nails or watching her like a hawk. It's like every single movement, you know, I was watching everything, you know. So, so I saw her you know, going through the check. She was like, I mean, I think she's picking stuff, you know, checking mm. through all the, make sure all the details are correct. And I saw her like typing something in the computer and then she was checking the details and everything like that. And then she called the manager. And when she called the manager, I was like, ah, shit. This is where it falls apart. Yeah, I think this is not happening, man. She called the manager. The camera manager came over and looked at her. And then she pointed at me and he looked at me and then he did that thing that I didn't really like. He just shook his head. I was like, ha, ah, all that, yeah. So he shook his head and then, you know, so I was like, ah, okay. And then, uh, then the lady called me and I said, um, Mr. Jimmy, can you come to the counter nine? So I went to the counter and I was like, okay, you know. And then uh, she gave me back my, my card, my identification card, and she just asked me, okay, would you like it in 100 or 50? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, best feeling ever, dude. So, and then so you was, ran to get uh, that no. money to the landlord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I said, oh, oh, okay, okay. So, so basically, they had to prepare the, the the. Apparently, the payment goes to the court, so it has to be in a bank draft. So it cannot be in cash. So the twenty nine thousand was in the bank draft. So the remaining balance was cash. So I make a run to it to my office and I get the the bank draft. You know, to to my landlord, he was like shocked. Where do you get this money? I said yeah. this. Oh yeah, well, you wouldn't believe me if I tell you the story. You know, yeah. just, just leave it at that. You know, so the whatever balance, you know, I called my business partner. We we had KFC. You know, after like you know months of not really having proper food, we actually sat down. We had KFC. You know, that's how we celebrated Andrew. A KFC. fancy fancy meal. A fancy meal, three-piece chicken. You know, <laughs> with some Pepsi. So that was our celebration meal, KFC. So. Whatever balance that I had, you know, I, I decided to, okay, I, I paid off all my debts. Whatever I could pay, I paid off my debts and everything like that. But um, it wasn't enough, you know, so eventually we had to fold up, we had to close the business, you know. Mm. 
And then I never gave up entrepreneurship. I decided, okay, I, I failed not because of lack of effort or I did not have the vision. It worked. I was betrayed by a business partner. So mm. I refused to give up. I mean, I still remember those times when I was in between closing my, my first startup and moving on to my second startup. I didn't have money because we paid a lot of people from the whatever balance we had left. And I remember going back to my mom, you know, every once a week just to get some ingredients for cooking like eggs and vegetables, a bit of rice, you know. And then she give me a bit of money to make sure that, you know, I don't, you know, leave it up any form of cash, you know. So that's how it was. But I remember my mom was like so worried about me. I said, you know, you know, Jimmy, you should, you should just give up on entrepreneurship, you know, just start working somewhere, get a Go job, get a you know. Job. Go get a job. You have a law degree. What are you thinking, you know? And, you know, once you're successful, you're up there again, you have your savings, you can start entrepreneurship again. But Andrew, I just refused to give up. I refused to just give in. So I just kept on. So... Yeah, my, my same business partner had this idea. She said that, you know what, you know, I can cook, you know, so, you know, you have a car, so probably you can have a food business going, you know, I can cook and if we take orders, I can just deliver the food. This is way before Grab or whatever. Yeah. This is like way like 2000, uh, a long time ago. Yeah, 2011, you know, we started this, my first food startup, you know, so Yamilicious. That's how we started back in the, in the business. We went, we started Yamilicious, we started cheat. She'll prepare the food, she'll cook the food and deliver it, you know. So we focus on burgers and stuff like that. Mm. So from there onwards, we started growing and then now we have Foodie Box Group. Now we became venture builders and I'm in the process of setting up my own venture fund soon enough, you know, mm. for, for technology. So that is my story. Wow. Of, of what happened. And what happened to the guy? I mean, I call him up, I thank him. And basically, uh, we, we started working together. I mean, he was trying to see what he could help to... to mm to revive my first startup and stuff like that. But even he knew that, okay, I think it's a bit pointless. So he said, you know, you know what, you know, use whatever's left, you know, build, rebuild back your life and start a second startup, you know, but he just told me this, never ever give up, you know, don't give up. Use whatever one I have, a seat for another project, you know, and then he just left, that's it. So I, I keep in touch with him. So basically, I mean, I've, I've actually prepared, I got a lawyer friend to prepare a, a contract whereby I, I wanted to pay him every month, you know, mm. like a certain amount of money. But yeah, but he hasn't signed it. So yeah, yeah. so I, I'll, I'll just keep it in mind. But I do keep in touch with him. So I did, I did tell him that once, you know, I'll find a way to reward you somehow. Uh, well, there's so much to that. One of the things that I would say is that there have been times that people have done good things to me or for yeah. me and they didn't ask for anything for it. And they either said to me, do something good for someone else, or it was just implied. And so I think, you know, my takeaway from your story really is the idea that, you know, people do help people sometimes out of the blue. And also once somebody has helped you out of the blue, you have an obligation to pay that forward, you know, and I think that's one of the things I know there's been people that have helped me and there's people that I've been able to help. And I think a lot of that just really comes down to help each other as best that we can. And also the other thing that I've thought about a lot over the years is that I generally, you know, I used to kind of loan money, but now I just figure, you know, if, if you're going to give someone some money, it's probably better just to give them a little grant. You know, it's better to just say, take this, go get through your trouble and then uh, because the whole lending thing just turns into a bit of a mess. So, so let me ask you, based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, 
what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? And I think I'm thinking about this situation of somebody's giving you an ethical choice. If you had just screwed the other partner, you would have been fine. Many people think that, right? And by, by saying, no, I'm standing up for my own ethics, you hurt yourself, right? So I know a lot of the listeners are in these ethical dilemmas and, you know, they need some guidance from you. So what one action would you recommend that they take to avoid suffering the same fate? Well, the, the thing that I can take away from this whole experience is one is the fact that I always be hopeful, but be, be prepared for the worst, right? I think that's the best advice I can give. Mm. I mean, ex still explore opportunities. I mean, for me personally, I did not give up on partnerships. I still have partnerships. I still look for uh, companies I can work with because the takeaway from this whole experience is the fact that it has made me more experienced when it comes to business partners. So I can spot things early on if something's not going to go right and stuff like that. Mm. And I was a bit naive my, in my first circumstances in the sense that I, would, I didn't really get a legal protection and didn't get lawyers to draft things up because I trusted, uh, I trusted they would do the right thing. So the takeaway is the fact that learn from whatever failures that you may have and then basically be better, all right? Yeah. And learn from it. And from that, you build something even more bigger. And I'm glad that I did not give up on partnership. I'm glad I didn't give up on opportunities because I'm still receiving them. I'm still giving them. And like what you said earlier, you just experience the paid forward, which is why I'm a humanitarian as well. That's why I'm doing a lot of projects to help the needy, the refugees. I'm in support of various different fundraising programs and stuff like that. And then we have amazing, amazing programs that we're going to do soon, you know, once on the funding mm. system. So never give up hope. Never give up opportunities. Never, you know, shut away from the experience and say, okay, I think I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it at all anymore. No, don't do that. You know? yep. Explore, be, be curious, you know, but be prepared for the worst, you know, and always, always, always be curious in the things that you want to do. All right, last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? My number one goal for the next 12 months is basically to set up a, a venture fund, basically, where the midst of setting a venture fund in Southeast Asia, it would be in Singapore. And this venture fund basically looks for projects that is focused entirely on food, technology, and social enterprise. And we have amazing, amazing projects that line up. Just to give you an, an idea what we're planning to do is the fact that we have a project line up in, in Kenya. Uh, I'm not sure whether you're aware of this, but Kenya has a, some sort of like an annual famine and drought. Mm. So they go through this every year. So we have a program lineup in the sense that uh, we're going to provide seedlings to the farmers in Kenya so they can work on the farms using seedlings. And from the profit itself, we can have profit sharing itself. Yeah. So mm. we save them from going through a famine and give them income and stuff like that. And it's a prof profit sharing uh, kind of a business structure. So my venture fund will receive some form of income and revenue from there as well. So, do, so for the next 12 months, I've been very much focused on this uh, venture fund and get it going and everything like that. And we have a lot of projects that we're looking into in like clean water. I recently started mentoring a, a startup from India called uh, Avalor Green Energy. So I'm really excited about it because uh, we, they are aiming to produce the world's most affordable and most efficient water purifier at the cost of $10 per unit, all right? Mm. So just $10, you know? So I've seen it, I saw the prototype, and I think um, this is the answer to people in poor countries who have no access to, to clean water. And it doesn't require electricity, it doesn't require any form of support, it's just like a water bottle, but it does wonders, you know? And I've seen the results, how, how the, the water is purified, and it's just amazing. So my mind, because I did not give up on partnerships, I did not give, I did not like shut myself away from opportunities. I keep on going forward, keep on looking for opportunities, keep on looking for business partners. And now I'm surrounded by all these amazing, amazing projects I'm working on. And that is, I'm having the best time of my life actually at the moment. Fantastic. 
Well, listeners, there you have it, another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listener, reduce risk and increase return in your life. To achieve this, I've created our community at myworstinvestmentever.com. And when you go there and join, you'll get that special discount on my Valuation Masterclass Bootcamp. As we conclude, Jimmy, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of Ace Dots Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Thank you, Andrew, for this award. You know, I'm really grateful for it. My parting words to the audience is this. Be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. All right. It's a quote from uh, King Basil. It's something that I hold on to very dearly. And I hope by listening to my story that all of your listeners will be like inspired to do things that is out of the box. Don't be afraid, you know, because sometimes it's just internal fear. You know? So be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. And I wow. wish everyone great success. Be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. That's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on The Upside.